Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's, there's nothing more relaxing than disco. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hello. I really want to talk about Love Island, but oh. I, I'm imagining oh. that your general adrift listener isn't necessary. I think there's definitely some people out there who, like us, mm-hmm. understand that it is the breaking bad of reality television. <laughs> I can't but, deny that. But there will be a lot of people who just think it's a load of vacuous old nonsense. Yeah. And then, of course, people who aren't listening in the UK, they'll have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, but, so I uh, guess we yeah, can yeah. But you know somebody who is the step-parent of Samira? Yes. Oh, my God. Have you got any gossip about Samira? Well, I know that her dad isn't watching the show. Oh. Yeah, but you wouldn't, would you? Imagine if you had a daughter on that show, you wouldn't watch it. True. Would you watch it if you had your son on that show, if Rudy was on it? Um, Double standards. No, then I wouldn't. (laughs) No, you're right. That's really bad. I wouldn't. She's my favourite as well. And I don't mean in a creepy way. Mm. What way then? Just... (laughs) Well, you, you, I take it you have a favourite. Um, I don't, I'm not sure I do. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose I like Danny. Right. Danny we're talking right. about it. Danny and Jack. <laughs> I knew we'd talk about it. And there's nothing it. creepy about that, but because I'm a man and I have a favourite, all of a sudden it's creepy. You picked a girl. Yeah, but... I picked a couple. <laughs> no, I was, I'm only joking. I'm teasing. Oh, God. Okay, we're going to stop talking about it in three, two. Just before we do, though. <laughs> They um, it's sponsored by uh, a, a chain of chemists and beauty. Is it a chain of chemists? And they sell like lippy and oh yeah, yeah. mascara and, yeah, and yeah. so on. And um, so when the adverts come on and when the adverts finish, they do a little thing where they get viewers to send in a selfie, either just a solo selfie or them and their partner. Mm-mm. And this morning I went online to try and <laughs> sorry, send in a selfie of me with my wife. Oh. And then that would be a lovely surprise for her when we're watching it. But unfortunately, oh. it's now closed. No, fortunately, because if you'd done it and it had gone on, I would never have stopped laughing again. And it would have been really bad at sort of funerals and job interviews and stuff. So it's, it's good. It's good. All right. It's over. Three, two, one. It's over. Okay. Um, I was going to start this week's podcast with... Uh, a story of terrible parenting. Oh, brilliant. I love nothing better. <laughs> yeah. So this, you know, obviously, as we've said many times, I think it's boring to hear uh, for people to hear us talking about how cute kids. Mm. But I think terrible parenting falls into the category of adrift. Yeah. So one of the big ongoing arguments in my marriage is to do with 
television and how much of it our son is allowed to watch. Okay. Because when I was growing up, I think, you know, I, it was it was an unconventional family dynamic. So I had, you know, the, the regular parents, mum and dad, mm. and then there was the television as well. <laughs> right, okay. And it was, you know, mm. possibly went mum, television, dad. <laughs> okay. But... Um, so, so in other words, I watched loads of TV mm. as a kid. Me too. And, um, you know, I, I, I can make a good argument for why that's a great thing. Mm. But then Sarah will say, but when you were a kid, the way you've described it in this country, the television was only ever on for about three hours a day. And then the rest of the time it was just pages from CFAX or the test <laughs> card and so on. Right. So she has quite a good point with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so anyway, we have reached some kind of consensus whereby Jean is largely only allowed to watch television programmes if they're on the BBC. Okay. Because the BBC is trustworthy and, to um, paraphrase my wife, you know, there's not weird flashing images on the screen that are going to hypnotise his brain. Okay, okay. Just leave that hanging there for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. The the other day, I he, he was fussing around, and I needed to do something. I needed to make him his milk for bedtime, or what? I don't mean I was milking myself. <laughs> no, I don't have the. Uh, I don't lactate. Nobody thought that. Don't no. worry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he was fussing around, and I just needed something that was going to occupy him for a mm. few minutes. Mm. Now he is obsessed with all vehicles, taxis, buses trains and he's really gotten into emergency vehicles recently <laughs> to the extent that when i wake up in the morning it's usually because he's sitting up in his cot going nina nina oh. nina nina so i thought why don't i put on the television a youtube video of emergency vehicles oh right because he's gonna so, love that yeah yeah, yeah 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 and so i look on youtube and sure enough like some some guy has been and stood on various roads in London videoing ambulances, police cars and fire engines going past. Yeah. And there's like 20 minutes of this Amazing. thing. Amazing. So I just put it on and straight away he's in front of the television. He is hypnotised by it. Mm. Don't tell my wife. No. Um, he's just standing there, like staring at all these. It's like one's on a big main road near Euston Station, another one's on Shaftesbury Avenue. And there's just like this compilation of emergency vehicles going past. I think, great. So I go in the kitchen, I get his milk ready. Maybe I have a look at my phone because, you know, I've got a, I'm having a little bit of a break. Yeah. Because yeah, he's so... Yeah. I walk back in. Yeah, yeah. And this video... Yeah. So the, oh. the guy... It is a video. He is videoing an ambulance. Yeah. But he's also, like, no. spotted a guy on the pavement who's, like, bleeding. No. And there's like, an ambulance crew strapping him no, to a gurney. No. So my child is sitting there <laughs> hypnotised by a video of, like, a man bleeding from the head whilst an ambulance crew bundled into to the back of a vehicle. To traumatise him. I don't know. He seems fine. But, oh. you know, I don't, who knows where that's going to come out when he's, like, 25 <laughs> or something. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> when you were younger, this show was just getting going to Floyd and Annabelle Port with you now in your old age. We'd love to hear from you. Annabelle, uh, old Mother Hubbard of the email cupboard, is mm-hmm. it's not looking bare, but if um, there was an apocalypse, we wouldn't last that long. I like, to have, yeah, I like to have a full cupboard for, for that, for any eventuality. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't yet shared your story with us, we would love to hear from you. Some sort of typical subjects would be blurting things out or trying and failing to say the right thing, uh, accidentally being non-PC, uh, any story where you've just gone into such a social panic that you've actually gone to hide. Oh, last week we asked for running away stories. Oh, yes, so yes. You've got a story where you've physically 
quickly run away from a situation, we'd love to hear that. Uh, anything which could be given the subject line, does this make me a bad person? And one of our favourites of all time is shyness is nice. So please share your story. Um, I think it's it's our favourite bit of the podcast. Mm. So share your story. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. And this is from Imperial President Toby Murray-Smith. My mum has quite a close group of friends, all of whom have children very close in age, within about five years of each other. Some of them I'm close with, but some not so much. I was at the wedding of one of these people a couple of weeks ago and got chatting with one of the other children, which is the wrong term really, as we're all late 20s, early 30s. (laughs) The girl in question, who I'm not particularly close with, was heavily pregnant. And I got into the usual talk of when it's due, you know, if it's a boy or a girl, etc. And usually, as a drifter, my small talk is actually pretty good. Skip forward a couple of weeks and I'm at the funeral of the husband of another of my mum's friends group. And a lot of the same faces are there. I see the pregnant girl that I was talking to at the wedding, say hello and do the usual funeral bits of, it's so sad, we'll miss him, etc. I then quite confidently say, oh, you must be ready to drop soon. To which she replies, I had him last week. Ah. I freeze. I have absolutely no idea what to say. I take her in properly for the first time and realise, although she had put on a little bit of baby weight, as I guess is normal, she was quite clearly no longer pregnant. Moreover, she was probably quite self-conscious of said baby weight. At this this point, we had both just been looking at each other in awkward silence for what must have been a good 10 seconds before somebody else came over and started talking to her. So I just left and had to avoid her for the rest of the day. I do feel, though, that this situation could be avoided if all new mothers carried their child wherever they went to avoid any confusion. (laughs) So really, it's all her fault. Okay, from that. I mean, I've I've made the same mistake once in my 20s and it was just mortifying and, and never again. Now you're just ignoring yeah. that topic yeah. entirely, just in case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. E- even if somebody is like visibly about to drop tw- triplets, right? Uh, you know, wouldn't say a word. No, no. <laughs> right from Matt, who says, "I have a story of accidental racism, which I experienced in my final year of uni." Cut to autumn of 2013, and me and my friend Hannah had just moved into a new house for the year. We'd not managed to fill the house with people we knew, so we were waiting for the new arrivals that had been sorted out through our landlord. We sat around with her boyfriend having a cup of tea when there was a knock at the door. That must be one of the new ones, my friend's boyfriend cried, leaping up to answer the door. Through through laziness and lethargy, me and my friend sat recumbent on the sofa as we heard a short exchange in the hallway outside. The living room door swung open as my friend's boyfriend eagerly burst through, followed by a nervous-looking Chinese student. Hannah, Matt, this is your new housemate, Hong. There was a small pause. Actually, said our new housemate quietly, it's Paul. Oh, no. Somehow, Hannah's boyfriend, one of the most forward-thinking, culturally sensitive people I know, had misheard his name and his mind had concluded Hong as the most logical option. I retreated further and further back into the sofa as Hannah leapt forward to offer Paul a brew and her boyfriend went a deep shade of red. (laughs) And this is from Lloyd. Oh, God. (laughs) I wonder if that's even a name. I don't even think it is. I don't know. Lloyd says, your plea for email stories last week is the catalyst for me finally drumming up my nerve to write in about a bus journey I took last year. I was listening to you guys on my way to work and caught the R68 bus, which was packed, as is the norm at 8.30am. I swiped in and stood in the crush by the little bag shelf at the front. 
the bus set off. And although I was vaguely aware of an atmosphere of unease, I was blissfully unable to hear anything other than you guys chatting away in my headphones. The bus made a sudden stop very shortly after pulling away and the front doors were open that were pretty much next to me. This was most irregular. We were nowhere near the next bus stop. And yet again, that feeling of tension in the air. But as this was clearly nothing to do with me, I carried on with my blissful auditory safe haven from whatever was going on. My eyes focused on a particular point on the wall to avoid contact with any fellow passengers. I don't remember what the story was that Annabelle read out, but I found it so funny I let out a loud guttural laugh at the hilarity of it. It was at this point that the uneasy feeling instantly magnified as I noticed that a fairly elderly lady, a little rough around the edges and most likely very down on her luck, was exiting the bus against her will, presumably having been told to get off by the driver, maybe for not paying. The timing of her ejection was such that I'd laugh loudly and directly into her remonstrating face just inches away from my own at the apex point of her departure in front of a packed crowd. I paused my iPod and the silence was deafening. I could barely dare to turn my head 90 degrees to face the audience, but on doing so... But on doing so, I could see there were at least two of my colleagues sat on the Uh, raised seats towards the back of the bus. uh, My name would forever be mud. I went fluorescent pink and spent the rest of the journey very visibly pulling out and putting in my headphones at regular intervals, fiddling with my iPod at shoulder level with extended arms and fake laughing out loud to evidence very clearly that I was listening to an amusing podcast and that I'm not a monster who revels in the misfortune of the unfortunate. Naturally, I also lighted two stops before work and hid in the adjacent park until after 9am before going in, just in case. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would have been my advice in that situation off the bus as quickly as possible um oh those were great um please share yours it's your turn now hello at adriftpodcast.com jeff lloyd and annabelle port if you get close enough you can taste the freshness Annabelle. Yes. You have prepared a story. Mm-hmm. And what will you be? Uh, what story will you be telling this week? Well, it's mostly about how I'm a useless human and how nobody should give me any responsibility for anything ever. So same as most weeks. Every week. I mean, isn't that just the story of this podcast? Exactly. So we're going back to the summer holiday between my second and third year of university. I'm staying with my parents and I see a job advertised in the local paper to teach English to a group of German teenagers in the morning and then in the afternoon supervise their sightseeing trips. Now, never mind that I'm 20. The fact that I was a still teenager myself just six months ago <laughs> and have never taught English or in fact ever taught anything. But why can't I do this job. So with confidence and chutzpah that has long since left me, I call up and I find myself being interviewed at the house of an elderly gentleman. The fact I'd even consider going to a job interview that was at a strange man's house indicates my youthful naivety. However, weirdly, I wasn't bludgeoned to death. Much weirder than that, I got the job. Now, I'm not sure what kind of setup this is, like where it's being run from an old man's house and he's giving positions of responsibility to only just not teenagers anymore. But I do remember him filling me in on what I had to do, where I had to be. But I do feel at the time that he was slightly vague and I didn't take any notes, which I have to admit is my fault. 
But anyway, I know I'm meeting this group of 30 German teenagers who have the misfortune to be spending their learning English holiday, not in London or Bath or York or Edinburgh, but in Southend-on-Sea, where you're more likely to see chips on the ground than grass. <laughs> and the sea is actually the Thames estuary with a nice view of the Isle of Sheppey power station. <laughs> Although that nice view is often obscured by the plumes of thick smoke from the pier being on fire. <laughs> Despite never having taught English before, I probably should at this point have been more worried by their sightseeing element of their trip. Because, you know, once they've seen the smouldering pier and Peter Pan's playground and the nearby Saddler's Farm roundabout with its six mini roundabouts at one junction, like, what are they going to be doing? But I'm not worrying because I do know that they have their teacher from their German school with them. And I'm pretty sure that the elderly gentleman said he was organising that side of things and I was just going along to help. So I meet them at some prearranged point in Leon C, just outside South End. And that goes well. And I'm in the right place. I'm not late. And they all seem nice. And then the German teacher says these words. OK, so now we will go to the lunch. And I say these words. All right, where, where's the lunch? And he says this words. This is the lunch that you have organised? Uh. I didn't know I was supposed to organise a lunch. I mean, it's very possible that the elderly man did tell me, but I was probably distracted by being alone with him in his living room and wondering <laughs> if I'd given his address to my parents before I left and looking at the framed photos he had up and wondering if psychopathic killers also had grandchildren. <laughs> so I'm now in a situation where I have 30 hungry German 14 to 15 year olds plus one adult hungry adult teacher looking at me. This is not a problem easily solved. Firstly, I don't actually know this area very well. I mean, I know there's a wimpy that my mum used to take us to, but it's quite small and it's a long walk from where we are now. And you know when there's a small group of you or just two of you and you're somewhere that you don't know very well or know at all and you're traipsing around looking for a place to eat? Ugh. Imagine doing that with 30 oh. teenagers behind you who are all tired, having just thrown into exciting London and then cruelly put on a coach to South End. <laughs> Eventually I see a pub. Pub. And I go in and they say that they're not doing food, but the teenagers can come in and have a drink and then I can buy some food from a shop and they can eat it there, which is amazing of them. I mean, they must have seen my desperation. I don't remember the conversation, but just the fact that it must have started with me saying, look, I've got 30 German teenagers and I'm not put anywhere for lunch. Can you help me? I mean, it makes my blood run cold. Ugh. So all I've got to do now is sort out the food. So I go to a corner shop and I buy a load of crisps and, <laughs> and twiglets and Dairy Lee triangles and chalk dips. And I lay it out all in front of them like a wonderful buffet at a spa. And when I say spa, I mean the corner shop. And let me tell you, they hated the twiglets, oh. despised them. None of them had ever had them before and couldn't believe how bad they were. Wow. Now, fortunately, it wasn't my job to organise the sightseeing. And even more fortunately, it was all stuff like a trip to the London Dungeons and to Cambridge. And also, they all spoke English pretty well, so my teaching didn't really matter. <laughs> so actually, I feel like I did a really great job giving them a real cultural taste of this country with those twiglets. <laughs> oh, that is a, that is an anxiety-producing story. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there is nothing worse than uh, when you say to someone, how oh, do you fancy meeting up tonight? And they say, yeah, so where should we go? So, well, why don't we just meet at the bus stop and then we can have a wander and find somewhere? Oh, no, oh. learn how to make a plan. Or if you go somewhere that doesn't take reservation, there's a long queue yeah. and, then you, and then you have to, like, traipse oh, around. Oh. Make a plan. Uh, uh. I, I'll tell you, this is slightly off subject, but um, something that came up and comes, I had some friends around for lunch yesterday and we were talking about our parents' generation what they did and didn't do. And it occurred to me that I don't think my parents have, have ever had food delivered. Ever? In their entire lives. So they're into the no. 70s. 
I my parents have very very occasionally had takeaways, but they always pick them up. Yeah, yes, <laughs> they've never. Yeah. I think this is saying they've never had a delivery. Yeah, isn't that weird? Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you're not paying attention, you didn't even realize you were in a sewer. This is not that case. Right now you're on a lake, and it's nice. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port adrift. So we mooted the idea of a live show. Oh, yeah. Last week. And um, I said, get in touch if you think somewhere near you would be good. And um, I've got a weird relationship with the email on this podcast. So by and large, I I consider it your domain, Annabelle. Mm, Yes. Um, So I don't really look at the email. It'd be a mess if we both were, to be honest. This is what I think. So I could see that people had emailed in, but I didn't want to click on them because then I'd have to mark it as unread again and Uh, it seemed too much of a faff. But I think we have had a few suggestions of places, right? There is some interest, yes. Uh, London, Brighton, Nottingham. Yeah, some interest, definitely. So I did a live show in a place called Hebden Bridge on Friday night. Yeah, so it's... um, you know, kind of between Leeds and Manchester. Okay. Just a bit sort of northeast of Manchester, next to a place called Todmorden. And let me tell you, it is an astonishing place. Oh. So it's like this very, very picturesque stone houses um, village in a in a valley. It's called the Calder Valley. In fact, if you, have you ever seen the programme Happy Valley on TV oh, yeah, with Sarah yeah. Lancashire, which mm. is a fantastic um, programme. If you've never seen it, okay, I mean, I think it's been one of the best... British shows of the last few years. Uh, I think a lot of it is filmed in the environs of Tevedon Bridge. Okay. But there can be a bleakness to that show, which maybe undersells this town itself because it's like really pretty. Mm. And um, the, it's it's like this thriving cultural place. I think a lot of hippies moved there oh. in the 70s. Also, it's um, like, I don't know what... what why this matters but it, i think it, it is a telling detail about the place it has the highest concentration of lesbians i think anywhere in the country oh, wow. if not in europe no way really? yeah that's really interesting so i don't know you know maybe maybe talking about hippies and lesbians suggests that there's a certain mindset a certain you know openness yeah, yeah. perhaps which you know if if that that's this town's deal 15 or 20 years ago when we were a different type of society mm-hmm. it says a bit about what type of place it's going to be sort of accepting and engaged and so it's got like this beautiful high street full of independent bookshops and cafes and things bit disappointed there wasn't a costa coffee oh. but you know <laughs> i'm surprised not disappointed <laughs> <laughs> no but no chains apart from a co-op oh. like everything's anyway this place was beautiful and ed and i did a show there on friday night and um I got talking to Mal, who runs the venue, who's from South End. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And used to be in a band called My Life Story. Do you remember them? I do. They were great, weren't they? I yeah. Love yeah. Wow, yeah. Um, and uh, and his wife, Sarah, and Sarah is a drifter. No. Yes. Amazing. So they're really keen for us to go and do a drift. At this, I mean, the venue was just astonishing. It's this place called the Trades Club, and they've had so many great musicians appear there over the years, and just brilliant people. One question: What's the capacity? One hundred and twenty. Okay, okay. So it's not like a thousand. Well, I just think you know it'd just be Sarah. Oh, you and think anybody she'd sort of dragged along out of politeness? Oh, I see. But that could be a way of getting new listeners. Yeah. We could be like evangelists. If we were good. Well, this is the problem, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah. I'm worried that if we went and did it, then Sarah would become a pariah in the local community because she'd be saying to people, oh, you should come and see see this thing. And then 
they went and sort of said, why, why did you make us go and see yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And then she'd be drummed out. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of problems with this. So yeah. It does sound lovely. It is. So I don't, and, and you know, it was, it couldn't have been a nicer day when we were there. We've been having this mm. sort of glorious summer by British standards. Yeah. And um, they said, oh, it's, I mean, it's rainy most of the time. It's not usually like this. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> no. We're used to a bit of rain. Yeah. So, so that, that could be a thing. Okay. Yeah, well, let's but, mark that down as an option. Yeah. Let us know if you think, you know, Hebden Bridge would be realistic for you. Because, it, I mean, it'd be a nice place to go for a little, if we did it on a weekend or something. I'm mm. just suggesting to you, it'd be a nice place for you to go on a weekend away. Mm. But now I feel like those people who has a wedding in a uh, you know like a far flung location and right. makes people pay to go there yeah. and thinks like it's going to be great for them to get the opportunity <laughs> to pay money to go somewhere they wouldn't necessarily yeah. have chosen to go yeah. of their own volition anyway um so so all of that is to say we're still thinking about mm. these live shows yeah. and um more to be an- I was going to say to be announced i think there are several stages between now and to be announced mm-hmm. really but there you go um so that's that. And I'll just throw in our weekly reminder that um, if you enjoy the podcast, we would love it if you supported us on Patreon, patreon.com stroke adrift. Uh, once again, an apology. The Partners podcast is a little delayed because oh, Annabelle's sorry. lover. Oh, yeah. He's not left you, has he? You're not... No, it's, it seems that way because he's leaving a lot for work. But yeah, I don't know when we're going to do it. Is it going to be September now? We might, try, we might try and squeeze it in in July, but it's very challenging. He's, so, he's just working all the time, okay. which is good because I'm not. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, this is the thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so uh, if it wasn't for the fact that he's keeping a roof over your head. Exactly. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to forgive him. <laughs> exactly. but, yeah, there you but, go. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I mean, basically, if people contributed enough on Patreon, he wouldn't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bear that in mind. You have as many partners podcasts as you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we're a long way off that. Very, though. very long. Yeah. Um, anyway, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon dot com stroke adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift with you, which is saying something about you. On to the incident, which is a marital incident this okay. week. Um, we've got a cafe across the street from us. It's exceptional. If you're ever in the N16 area of London, uh, there's a place called Esther's and very good food, like exceptional food, very good baked goods. Um, not being paid for this, by the way. No. Nope. Just doing it because uh, it's a neighbourly thing to do. Mm-hmm. Not that they need the plug because there are queues out the door on a weekend. Do you want to see it? Queuing, queuing. Really? Yeah, wow. before it opens. Really? Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, so I was popping across there to get something the other day and I say to Sarah, do you want anything? She says, oh yeah, can I have a pano chocolate, please? Okay. She probably calls it a pano chocolate. Oh, but you know, that was a slight dig. <laughs> okay, carry on. <laughs> um, I say, sure, what if they haven't got one? Good question, yeah. She says, surprise me. Oh, bad answer. So I go across there and sure enough, they've run out of pano chocolat. Right. Or pano chocolate, okay. as my wife might call them. Okay. Um, so I look what else is there and they do great cookies, miso and white chocolates, personal favourite of mine, but mm. their chocolate chips are exceptional. Uh, they do nice blondies, good, a few different things. But my eye is drawn to a plate of little cakes. Mm-hmm. They are lemon, thyme, mm. and almond. Okay. You're not liking the sound of that, are you? It sounds nice, but there's no chocolate in it. That's no, maybe, but my wife, yeah. like, she likes lem- lemon, okay. as a, lemon as a taste she likes. Okay. So I buy one, mm. 
I take it across to her. I said they didn't have a pano chocolate, but they had this. Yeah. I open it up like the big reveal. Yeah. She went, oh, I'm probably not going to eat that. What? Why not? Because she says, well, you know, I don't like cupcakes. Did you know that? Well, I know she doesn't like cupcakes, but my point is just because this, if this had been a big round cake and it had just been a slice of it, I am convinced that she would have liked it. Ah, uh, okay. But it's, this, it's in a shape of a cupcake. Yes. She doesn't like cupcakes, won't consider no. it. No. Now, you know, mm. she says, no, I don't like anything with frosting on it, but I'm pretty convinced that if I brought her a slice mm. of this cake, she yeah. would have eaten it. Yeah. It's just the form. She's got a problem with the form. Right. Oh, dear. Now... I'm insulted at this point. She says, okay, I can save it for the babysitter tonight as a thank you because she'd done something, she'd done something nice, the babysitter, I can't mm. remember what it was. And, and I'm affronted. I'm saying, but you said surprise me. You would like this cake. Why don't you just try it? And she said, no, I don't want to try it. Try so, it. No, so yeah. then, then I have a little sulk. For, I would, I would for, too. A, for a day or so. For a day? So. Maybe not that long. And, <laughs> and so my question really is, if somebody says surprise me, mm. then the onus is on them not on you, the buyer. You don't need to... If somebody says surprise me, mm -hmm. you, you know, that's what you should do. And you feel that she should have eaten it. Out of politeness. Right, okay. Who's right? Who's wrong? I find out in this week's The Incident. Jessie Cave is a comedian and illustrator. A lot of her work is about the intricacies of human relationships. I thought she'd be a good person to ask about the etiquette of surprises. But it's just a very different being to a pan of chocolate, that. And if she was really wanting a pan of chocolate and you brought back something totally different, it's just, I can see why she would have rejected it so forcefully well under normal circumstances i would would agree with you but when when she said surprise me i feel that the normal rules went out the window it's new rules yeah. we're in new rule but territory it, yeah maybe she regretted the surprise me very quickly mm. and she she forgotten she had said it by the time you got back i just think you need to you need to you know literally in this case swallow it if if you do that <laughs> um are you a, are you a sweet surpriser in a relationship you strike well, me as somebody no, i I actually did my first surprise recently, so I was I was like very keen to to, to reveal this. Um, but I I'm like the least spontaneous person in the world, and kind of spontaneity kind of terrifies me. And people that are do surprises and are spontaneous and impulsive, I'm just so not going to be friends with. Um, <laughs> so I in me and Alfie we are split up, but mm. we're kind. of like we're like we're weirdly close at the same time which is incredibly restrictive <laughs> <laughs> in my in my future um but that's fine I I tried to surprise him um he was doing a gig in Cardiff and I he I, I just kind of had this sense that he wanted me to be there um but it was quite a risk obviously because it was in Cardiff he's also a stand-up comedian we should uh, explain yeah and it's not like, it, you know, it's like in next door and I can just turn up and be like, oh, hey, I just thought I'd come. It was like uh, I'd have to get an £86 return ticket and possibly a travel lodge room. Um, but I thought this is a really good test because I kind of I thought I'm not going to say, OK, I'll, I'll come. Because mm. um, I know that he does like one. I, I think that one of our problems in our relationship is that I was so um, restrictive. <laughs> right. <laughs> being just one woman you know um 
So I thought, okay, I'm going to go for this and I'm just going to turn up in Cardiff and be this free being where I'm just like, oh, I just came to this art centre on the outskirts of Cardiff. (laughs) I just thought I'd come. Uh, And I was on the train there after spending this amount of money and realising that I wouldn't be able to get back in the same night. So I booked a travel lodge room. So in, in total on the train, I'd already spent like 200 pounds. Wow. So I was just sitting on the train, sweating. I finally arrived and got all the way to this art centre on the outskirts of Cardiff. And um, I saw him through the window before his show. And I just, I ducked and <laughs> looked at him. I was just too scared to go in. And I just, I ended up spending 10 minutes on the phone to my mum outside. My mum being very confused about yes. why. He was looking after the children <laughs> in Cardiff. And basically, I eventually had the guts. I, I basically then texted him, I can see you. And he looked at his phone and turned around, which I was really happy about. And then um, I texted him again, being like, uh, I don't know what it is. But basically, he, he then put his phone in his pocket and he didn't look at any other me- messages. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just standing there and eventually after another 10 minutes he looked up and happened to see me and then I ducked again (laughs) (laughs) so I think he was a bit thrown by the whole thing and then eventually I did go in and it was actually a really nice surprise for him but he was also slightly scared of me Uh, (laughs) and I was I was basically terrified from the whole thing and I don't think I'm ever going to surprise anyone again but so it didn't it didn't go poorly it went well the surprise it did end up going really well um and it was a good night in the travel lodge for, like on my own obviously <laughs> <laughs> um, and he stayed in his separate hotel and it was just like a nice separate hotel thing in cardiff and actually i did think on the rail replacement home the next day <laughs> So it wasn't even a train, it was some replacement bus thing. Like a a replacement bus to Newport. Mm. And I remember thinking, was it worth it? Was this surprise worth it? And I I don't know if it was, but I'm very glad that I pushed myself to try out being this surprise girlfriend, ex-girlfriend type thing. Uh, And yeah, I think it was... It was okay. I don't think I'll be doing it again. I think I'm slightly traumatised now by surprises in general. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the idea of now being just surprised by a pan of chocolate is just so far away from where <laughs> I am. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Please join me in this bubble that has been forever locked in the glass by the blower. It's it's their breath. It's horrible. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Well, I've uh, identified yet another thing that I'm completely inept at that other people seem to have no problem with. Okay. You know, things things that this 
category includes is tying my shoelaces um, and, and you know, many more that don't spring to mind immediately. But this one, uh, I've been like this for decades. It's nothing new, but I've just sort of um, put my finger on it this week. Yeah. You know, when you buy a box of tablets like paracetamol painkillers from the from the chemist. Yeah. Um, and there's a little leaflet stuffed in. Yeah. I am impo- it is impossible for me to get that leaflet back in the thing. So you take the 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 little blister of tablets out. You mm. pop a couple out. The leaflet sort of comes out at the same time. Mm-mm. You try and put it all back in the box. I can never make it fit. What would be the skill to have, and one that I don't have, is opening it at the end where it doesn't come out. Yes. So it's just still in the box. Yeah. And I never open it at the end yeah. where it, it doesn't come out. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. That's, and then hard. once the leaflet is out of the box, yeah. it's all too loose in there <laughs> and everything's falling out too easily. <laughs> yeah, it's so, a problem. Yeah, so there's, uh, there's one that I've identified. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about was it's it's been over the past couple of months and it's now reaching a fever pitch. People have been getting in touch with us to alert us to the existence of a film called Adrift. Oh, yes, yeah. And, oh my God, I should remember who did this, but one of our listeners... Alison Merrill. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if I said your name wrong, but... Did, yeah. did an astonishing oh, Photoshop so of good. our faces on the poster to this film, which um, we, we put up on social media. I mean, it was mm. so, so good. Brilliant. So... I don't really know how I feel about it, though. Are you annoyed? You feel like they should be paying us money for stealing our name? Yeah, so... My instinct is this film will, no pun intended, sink without a trace. Right. I don't think it's had great reviews. Okay, good. <laughs> and if a film is being extensively advertised all over the shop, it's usually because, it's either because it's the biggest film of the year, like Mamma Mia 2 or something, mm. or it's because it's probably, they're worried it's not going to do very well, so they're sort of throwing everything but the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. So I suspect this falls into the latter category. Mm. Um, so, so it may well vanish. But... We were here first, is my point. Yes, our name. We were adrift first. And on the other hand, I do think, oh, well, what if it became a really popular film? Maybe some people would just be searching for that in podcasts. They, <laughs> they, they liked it so much. And then they'd download this by mistake and maybe become drifters. It's a very small possibility. It is, because, yeah. I mean, I don't know the um, premise of this film. I, I think I'm, I'm guessing it is some people... Adrift. marooned yeah. on a raft I'm basing that on the poster yeah. somewhere yeah um, and I don't know if there's that much crossover if you did accidentally download this thinking it was going to be a film about two people on a, a podcast about two people on a raft Mm-mm. I mean we are you know metaphorically on a raft that's the yeah. whole idea but yeah. um, who who knows who knows but uh, yeah should we go see it <laughs> what like in a sort of a works outing yeah <laughs> And then at the end, we could go around handing out our stickers saying, (laughs) if you liked this, you might like this. Lasers. This is Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Moore. I'm a DJ. Time now for Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. It's the rules school? At the Knowledge College. The Knowledge College. There we go. That's all of them. Mm. Um, So this is where we ask you if you have found yourself or regularly find yourself in a social situation and you you sort of crippled by your own ineptitude and you don't quite know how to behave ask us and we will give you the rules of behavior in that situation so annabelle how many of these do we have this week two and who's the first one from anon what does anon say i have a social situation which i feel i partially know the answer to but need some help regarding the you can do it you can do it specifics yeah thank you A few months ago, I started a new job. 
Although I've had a number of jobs in the past, this is my first time working in an office. One thing that has surprised me slightly is the amount of snacking that goes on throughout the day. On any given day, my colleagues have a variety of crisps, biscuits, chocolates and cakes, which they always generously offer around. We are a small office of six people and I would say I get at least three snack offers a day. Here lies the problem. I'm not a big snacker myself. My last job was a very active one and I have found that in the short time working behind a desk, I have started gaining weight more quickly than I'd like. Because of this, I rarely bring any type of snack because I know if I have a packet of biscuits in my desk, for example, I will likely keep eating them. My manager is notorious for always saying yes to offer food, but never, ever bringing in any of his own. And the others dislike this trait so much they complain about it frequently and started only sharing out snacks when he's not in the room. I would hate for them to feel the same way about me, so I make sure that most of the time when offered, I politely decline. I know the way to solve this is to bring things in myself, but here is my question. How often is appropriate? Every day seems a bit much, but if I don't do it as often as others do, do I need to make more of an effort, such as buying fancier goodies, to make up for a lack of regularity? If I say no to too many offered snacks, does it make me seem a bit too reclusive? Do I just accept that snacking is a part of office life, give in, snack throughout the day and join a gym to try and counter any unwanted weight gain? When when people talked about office politics, I had no idea food plays such a big part in this. Any advice is greatly appreciated. Many thanks. Well, I mean, my instinct is you could just snack along with the rest of them, but keep the food in your mouth just and then then (laughs) spit it into the toilet. Or have a spittoon under your desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That you empty at the end of every day. So so here's here's the thing. Um, Annabelle and I worked in a place for a long long time but I didn't really go in the office very often Mm. so this aspect of modern office life is unfamiliar to me. Annabelle can you can you talk me through this a little bit? Well I would say what Anon has already picked up on is that if you do decline the snacks you're 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 not part of the gang anymore. And especially in, I mean, I was in a big office, especially in such a small office, you're going to be the outsider. Mm. I think what we could start up something else, like maybe you could start smoking and then get everyone else to join <laughs> smoke as well. They could be in a gang outside. It's, it's, it's that being part of the gang. So if there was an alternative, but there isn't one, is there? No, so... Um... You could just like chew a lot of gum like a bad boy and every time you're offered a snack, say, oh, sorry, I've got gum in. No, you're still the outsider. Right. What about bringing But, but in... people think you're really cool. No. Because you're chewing gum. I think, I think people think you're slightly, I think you're thinking 50s America <laughs> rather than like modern day Britain. Um, I think, don't hate this suggestion. I know you're going to hate it. Yeah. What about bringing in, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying it. Healthy snacks. No, 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 no. 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 Because pe- people would hate you for that. Hate you more. Um, I mean, you could bring in something that other people would like that you don't like. You don't necessarily have to eat what you bring in. That's true. Yeah. So, for example, if I was in this situation, I might bring in a box of fig rolls. <laughs> I don't like fig rolls either. Right. Yeah. No one, else, no one likes them. Don't they? No, you'd be hated. When I was a kid, other kids would eat those biscuits. But somebody once told me it was all spiders mashed up in the middle. So oh. so it never really, you know, that was it for me. I didn't, no. Yeah. No, no. Um, so, you know, is but is there something? Like, I don't like anything banana flavoured. Mm-hmm. Like you could bring in a banoffee pie if you don't like banana, if you like me, for example. I think I would, in my head, I'd be mm. like, I'll I'll take one snack a day. That's fine. One snack a day? Yeah, from the other people okay. offered around. Because you've got to say yeah. yes every yeah. now and then, otherwise you'll be an outsider. Mm. And 
twice a week, I'd bring in something, like he says, something a bit nicer. To make, so that you're really liked. A, right, twice right. A week. Twice a week seems a lot to me. Mm. I think you could get away with once every, let me think, I was going to say once every month, but I think that's too, too seldom. Once every three weeks, bringing in something like donuts. Mm. And people say, like, but not just donut, like, just like get something great like that. Yeah, yeah. What did you say? Once a week? Did you? No, think? once every three weeks. Every, oh, not enough. No, no, no. It Fortnite. is. No, Fortnite. because if other people, no, my point is this: if other people are like got, um, I don't know, fun size Milky Ways or I don't, what, 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 what are these snacks that people have in an office? Haribo. Haribo. Like yeah. yeah. Like if you turn up once every three weeks with a with a box of Krispy Kremes or something, mm, yeah, that's memorable. You're going to be known as the donut guy. Yep. Okay. I'm assuming it's a guy. Uh, it is. is. You think so? I know. Well, I know. Oh, I see. I know. It's anonymous, but yeah, you yeah. you know. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so, any anything to add there? No, I'm happy with your with your resolution there. All right. Okay, so let's move on to Ian from London. I used to be painfully shy as a child and still have vivid memory of being in primary school art class when the teacher was holding up pictures asking who painted them so she could distribute them back out. I was even too shy to call out my own name. Oh. Glad to say that whilst I'm far from being an extrovert, my shyness has dissipated considerably in the 20 or so years since school. I think just having a few office-based jobs and therefore having no choice but to interact with people has helped. One thing that does, however, fill me with dread is public speaking. I think I've only really been faced with it twice. A reading at a friend's wedding to about 200 people, although that wasn't so bad as it was a few passages from the Bible rather than something spontaneous. And a tell us a bit about yourself thing when in a tour, when in a tour group to North Africa. I was sat at the back of the coach. The tour leader came to me last. It seemed an eternity before the microphone was finally passed to me. I mumbled some jokey thing about being last and least before quickly wrapping up with just listing my name and place of birth. Public speaking is not therefore something I seek out, but I wonder if you can offer any tips in case it does come my way again. I think um, public I think, speaking. Well, it's not so much public speaking, but it's when you're in a group and you're told to sort of speak about yourself. And I think it's one of my. It's a thing that causes me the most stress in mm-hmm. life because I'm, I've worked on a radio show for years when you know a lot of people were listening wouldn't have battered an eyelid didn't even think about it but being in a group of say even six people and the and you going around taking it turns to say something about yourself the closer it gets to me the more i think i'm going to pass out oh me too and, and you know and as it's going round as well like i'm thinking oh god why can't they just drop the nuclear bomb now yes yes so it never gets to me yes. so that human civilization is wiped out but then i don't have to say something about myself do you think anyone enjoys that and feels confident about what they're saying i don't know so i remember i've told you about this nct thing that we did before jean was born where mm. you meet a bunch of other people who are expecting kids I remember being in that and everybody seemed so funny and natural. Yes, that's what I think. Yeah. But maybe they're just faking it. Maybe. I think we're all just faking it and we all hate it. Yeah. I've been in a few situations like that through kind of being pregnant and having a baby where you've had to sort of say a few things. And What do you say? I I didn't even say something about myself. What did you say? I said, um, hi, my name's Jeff and um, something interesting about me is I've got a friend who once bought a bag of crisps and he was eating them, and it was they were completely plain all the way through. They were supposed to be prawn cocktail, <laughs> and then he found a cube of pure prawn cocktail flavoring at the bottom of the bag, yeah. and he put it all in his mouth at once. And he said it was so intense, it was like he could see through time. What kind of reaction did you get? Muted. Yeah, because what I think of that, I think you gave a really interesting fact. It was it's slightly oddball. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm sure everyone else said something like, oh, I'm looking forward to my baby being born in a few months. Well, I'm running the marathon this year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But even when I was I was in this midwife group and all you had to say was your name and whether it was your first pregnancy or not and when you were due. And I thought I was going to pass out in the waiting for it to come around to me. Yeah. Just having to say that in front of people, because I don't know where to Where do you look? That's the first question. Mm. Where do you, No, that's the question. Where do you look? Yeah, I mean, do you, you just, just like I, I, maint- I, I maintain just, eye contact with the group leader? Do you slowly sort of like go around, rotate yes, your head? Yes. Looking around the room? I don't know. Because I tend to just pick one random person and say it to them, which I think looks weird. <laughs> oh, God, it's so awful. But I've that, got no advice. It was very interesting when my friend Chris found that. Pu- like I said, in, interesting. It would have come across as a bit different. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. But, yeah. it, but like for me, I would have thought, okay, I want to be friends with him. But that's maybe not Yeah, no, not for nobody everybody. did, as it turned oh, out. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just think you're asking the wrong people. I you mean, my, my advice is avoid group situations. That, that's the only thing I can say. Just don't do anything where that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and if it does, maybe you could um, pass actually pass out. Mm, yeah, mm. Just, just shrink away from other people. Mm. And, you know, if, if it comes to the crunch feign unconsciousness yeah there you go if you have a situation where you would like to know the rules then you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com And that was our podcast. Thank you for downloading. If you enjoy our podcast, then we would love your support. Financial support, that is. I mean, much as we'd like your emotional support, uh, the financial support is the thing that helps us pay the bills and keep the podcast going. You can support us at patreon.com stroke adrift. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident and to the marvellous Jesse Cave for the advice this week you can find jesse on instagram that's where um that's the home of her doodles and you can also buy bits and pieces and you must go and see her new show it's going to be on at the edinburgh fringe festival at the stand it's called sunrise and if you can't get to the edinburgh fringe it's also going to be on in london at the soho theater later in the year vince lynch and simon wilcox are our announcers and made our eye dents Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Please share your story with us. As Annabelle said, uh, the cupboard was certainly not looking bare. However, we are due for a weekly shop. So if you'd like to send us your story of um, failed human interactions and social ineptitude, then you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com and the same for the old Quandary Corner, Rural School, Knowledge College, and, and so on. And that's fairly much it. Another podcast next week. Thank you for listening. And I am now off to buy myself a bag of Twiglets. Auf Wiedersehen, drifters. Adrift. Adrift. Okay, three podications. Busy old week. Yeah. Uh, first one comes from Emily Harrison, court composer. Of course. Emily yes. Harrison, who says, Hiya, Jeff and Annabelle. Hiya. Hiya. Emily Harrison here. 
I'd like to request a podication for myself as it's my birthday on the 5th. I'm a bit embarrassed to do it in case it seems a bit selfish. You guys already hear enough from me every podcast, in the musical sense anyway. Mm. Um, You see, my son's fourth birthday is close to mine on the 8th. Even though it's not Mother's Day, my birthday has a way of making me reflect on motherhood again. Even after four years, I still have trouble with the whole make sure to take care of yourself and do nice things for yourself too thing. So I thought I'd squeeze in a podication for myself. Here we go. I mean, this is like a spa day, really. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, so I'm very excited about my title. Thank you, Annabelle. I was afraid to request... Uh, sorry, I was, I, I was afraid my request also seemed a bit vain, but I really just meant to give a fellow sleep-deprived mom a break. <laughs> no, no, you, yes. you didn't have to think of it yourself. Uh, and you it was a very good one, so I was very happy to give it to you. Uh, also, I'm loving the new Facebook group, and I'll just say hats off to Tiff oh. for setting up that group. Mm. In fact, I think um, Emily brings Tiff up in a second. I used to find myself asking questions to myself. I was curious about the follow-up to some of your stories. Now there's an outlet to do so, and I don't have to look like I'm talking to myself when I'm out and about listening to the podcast. Great idea, Tiff. Keep up the good work. Is it Wednesday yet? <laughs> Emily, um, so so good to uh, good to know that you're here with us, like not just in musical form, mm-hmm. but that you listen to the podcast as well. Um, so so there you go, good old Emily Harrison. Yeah. Next one from Ian, who says, "Hi Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. I've possibly made an almighty timing related cock up which i hope you guys read out this uh, in time and can you help and you can help me out with the podication i promised myself that i'd give you a month to read this i've actually remembered just four days before recording <laughs> well four days is enough as it turns yeah. out yeah generally as long as it's in by the sunday yeah we're fine yeah did you see last week we did have somebody who was devastated to find out that we record usually in the morning yeah yeah because they imagine it's sort of like a we've had a nice lunch and then we wander up to the loft i know nice um i promise to make matters worse this week's episode featured jeff saying and email us on about half a dozen times. So I'm guessing Annabelle's inbox is going to be full to bursting this week. Yes, it's bulging. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, let's give it a go. My fiance Pam is 50 this weekend, 4th of July, and your show, in its own way, has genuinely helped turn her life around. Really? Wow. Um, Pam's husband, Mike, died early in 2014, almost exactly a year after her mother's death. Mm. That next year saw her... God, have a motorbike accident and subsequent botched operation, leaving her scarred and in constant pain. Oh, God. Lose her beloved pet, um, Vizsla, oh. during emergency surgery. And in our fledgling new relationship, we ended that anus horribilis with an enforced medical miscarriage. Oh, God, this is just the worst time ever. Oh, uh, awful. Um, just awful. Just a terrible year. I'm so sorry. Um, needless to say... 2015 and 16 were a bit of a mess. Social anxiety and our location just outside a small village community in Cyprus meant that public exposure was limited and a life of hermitude was forthcoming. Is that even a word? If it's not, it should be. Yeah. Uh, And then a drift came along. Pam discovered you guys really early and let me in on the deal on episode eight. I'd caught up by episode 10. That's oh, good very going. good. Um, it's virtually impossible to gauge your own influence against the healing power of time. 
But I'd like to thank, uh, sorry, I'd like to think that being able to laugh at all the shared inappropriate behaviour and accidental racism and so on has possibly accelerated Pam's return to normality to the point where she has, within the last few weeks, managed to return to work and now works in a local craft brewery as a beer elf. Oh. Brewing and bottling. Fantastic local brews. Sorry, Jeff. Yes, well, right. Yeah, enjoy, yeah, enjoy other people having mm. a craft beer. Good, mm. good for them, I yeah. think. That sounds like a nice job. Yeah. Anyway, she's 50 on Wednesday. Um, there are literally a thousand days since Mike died. Oh. That, sorry, that's... Just, sorry. I, I mean, you just had a really tough time of it. I'm so, so sorry, mm. um, Pam. Um, that neither of us expected her to get to this milestone. So please join me in wishing her a very happy birthday. I'm sorry, Ed. Oh, dear. Should we just finish it off? No, it's, it's, I mean, that's the, the end of that. Okay. I'm really sorry that you've had such a tough year, Pam. I'm so pleased that you found each other a well, couple, couple of years. Or, and uh, Anyway, sorry, I've, I've uh, petered out there. You're right to do the last one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and the last one comes from... No, actually, I'm not. Oh, I'll do it then. I'll do it. Okay. It comes from Graham and Lynn Hunt. Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Wondering if it would be possible for you to podicate an episode as close to the 3rd of July for the birthday of our daughter, Anita, possibly your youngest regular drifter, as she will be 12 years old on wow. the 3rd of July. I would love to hear her name on her favourite podcast. Do you think that's our youngest, 12? It could be. I mean, I, I think it's possible that some very young children have it kind of foisted on them. Yeah. But it could be our youngest one who's, who's electing to listen. I mean, it doesn't actually say if, whether she's an elective or... Ah. or yeah, it doesn't actually state that, but... Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'll carry on. We're currently working our way through the whole back catalogue of shows as we started listening around episode 24. Just a few left now. We listened on the school run to her school. Maybe it is in force. Yeah. We listened to, on the school run to Please, her school. Please, can we have Radio 1 on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they're in Rocafort, Valencia in Spain. Ah, okay. Wow. Oh, and it always puts her in a good mood, especially people's stories of their social ineptitude. Oh, she so does nice. like Yay! it. Yay! I've also downloaded Annabelle's book and it's great reading it with Annabelle's voice in our head. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks and best wishes from Spain, Graham and Lynn Hunt. So there we go. Uh, those those are the podications. Um, to Emily Harrison treating herself to a podication. She knows how to live, yeah. having a me party. Yeah. Um, also to Anita from Graham and Lynn Hunt and to, to Pam from Ian. Um, sorry for getting... Getting choked up. Now. I don't know what's wrong with me. You're you're soft hearted. I, I am soft hearted, and, and she's um, been through so much as well. It's just just awful, yeah. awful. Um, but as I say, great, just wonderful that you found each other. Yeah, you know. Uh, so there we go. If you would like a podication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.